my uh, my word is platypus. If you say platypus, I'll stop talking. That, is that your safe word? Yeah. And we are live, All right. by the way. Okay, so thank you guys for doing hey, this. Let's do a cheers. little toast. I'm speaking with James Lambden and Alex Lubin. Both are major collectors in the New York watch scene. We're having drinks at Analog Shift headquarters and talking watches. Well, I, I guess my background goes as a collector or back almost 20 years. It all started for me personally, uh, you know, from a gift from my grandfather. But the rabbit hole, as I'm sure many of the readers and, and listeners would agree, is a steep one. And in fairly short order, it went from studying watches to learning everything I could possibly learn to eventually moving into the business. And I think what's sort of interesting is just how how far the, the business has evolved, the business of watches has evolved. You know, it was a much smaller industry even 10 years ago than it is today. And I think that is in no small part due to the fact that the interest in mechanical things, particularly mechanical wristwatches, has really begun to transcend the lines of just hobbyism. When I got into watches, it was it was really kind of hard to find anybody who could talk about this intelligently with me. Uh, the first few people I found were, unsurprisingly, you know, employees at at a watch shop, uh, specifically watchmakers. And then, you know, I moved to New York and found a few guys who were sort of into it. And then, of course, the blogs started, and and it, the blogs are what really pushed it past the early days of the forums. Ultimately, when the blogs picked it up and the blogs went mainstream, and then the 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 blogs sort of became influencers into lifestyle. The, the watch industry reacted and grew and started changing their, their tone and, and how they approached marketing, which has resulted in an incredible influx of interest from all walks of life, gender, race, all kinds of, of different of backgrounds. So it's really the community that is in many ways influencing the industry. Whereas for the longest time, you know, before I was into it, and it was the industry telling people what they needed to know. You know, it's just been very interesting to watch the collector's circle grow year over year over year. When I started collecting, you know, I, I, I owned one watch. I was interested in a number of others, but I really thought that I was the only one that wanted to own 50 wristwatches. That the entire Basel catalog was really really more interesting than Playboy. There was, I thought there was something deeply, deeply wrong with me. Now, that, that may very well be the case, and as you two can attest. You know, it, it was just such a breath of fresh air to find other like-minded collectors who didn't think I had three eyes because I spent half my day on eBay trying to buy new watches. In fact, they encouraged it. You know, it, it was really nice to, be, to feel accepted by this community. It's just been so nice to... To have the relationships that I've that I've managed to to secure through this community, I asked James to weigh in on the watch industry today and and how it's evolved over the years. The market today in, in 2019 is, in a word, dynamic. There's so much happening, not just in my little corner of the vintage world, but in modern watches and in the independent you know, micro brand space in the high-end independent watchmaking space and accessories. You know, auctions have become Friday night fights. In the early days of collecting, it was really exciting to have uh, one bit of newsworthy, well, news uh, once a month in the watch space. And today, 
between the blogs and Instagram and WhatsApp groups and everything else. There's two or three newsworthy events daily. Hourly. Hourly. And it's it's exciting. The, the, the watch industry is evolving, and with it comes ebbs and flows in market prices and demand for styles and so on. But if we're looking historically at the watch industry over, say, the last you know, 10 or, or so years, I'd say the biggest factor that's changed it are the people that are interested in it because it's no longer just a luxury thing or just a hobbyist thing. It's attracting a much broader segment of the consumer base. You know, I, I think if you spend an hour on Instagram looking at collectors all over the world, you will find celebrities, you will find businessmen, you will find 16-year-olds using you know their their dad's iPad trying to you know buy a vintage Omega on eBay that's amazing and what's even more amazing is these people have been given the tools to do this i asked james to weigh in on his first watch meetup it ended up evolving into one of the early origin stories of red bar took place i think 12 years ago in sleepy southern maine with those guys i, I was mentioning earlier the guys who worked at the local watch shop and we used to get together, and we called it Hops and Horology because we'd drink beer and talk watches. And these were in the really early days, man. And then I sort of moved to New York and became active on the forum, specifically Watch You Seek. There's a constant stream of, of information. And sometime in 2009, I realized that a lot of the people I was engaging with on the Dive Watch Forum were locals to New York. And I, I had this radical idea. I said, uh, hey, anybody want to go get a beer? And to my surprise, about a dozen guys said, yeah, let's do it. So I rented out a table at a, at a local bar, now defunct, on 57th Street. And a couple guys petered in. And so we very politely pulled out our one or two watches and, and ordered a Guinness and a hamburger and, and talked about watches sort of uh, professionally because we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what the attitude and, and how you're supposed to do this. And then Adam Craniotis walked in with a dozen watches and a mohawk and a mouth and all of a sudden, it became a party. And at the end of the evening, I remember saying to Adam, thank you so much for coming. You, you were the life of this event. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm starting to do this. I'll, I'll put you on the list. I also credit Adam being the godfather of, of the New York watch scene, but also making it cool, making it okay to, you know, hang out and meet in person to talk about watches. We began speaking of social media and how it's transformed the watch industry. Social media did change everything because I, I was going to Red Bar for a while and it was still, you know, four, six, maybe 12 guys would show up. It wasn't until Instagram came. Instagram made it very easy for hacks like me to take a picture of a watch and share it with everybody. Could just say, hey, here's a watch. Isn't that cool? And people would like it or not. And then when that started happening at Red Bar, that's really when it went viral, the idea that people would gather. And I think that it can't be understated just how influential Instagram was on building communities. For me, I, I think, Rich, what really impressed me about it was that you leaned into the absurd. We have to remember not to take this too seriously, that there are things that are far more important in life. And I think that while watches have brought so many good people together, and I, I could jump up on my soapbox and get misty-eyed about that, it's also silly. It's, it's ridiculous. We're not saving lives. And hell, these things don't even keep great time. So the fact that you, the, the fact that you chose not aggrandize the wristwatch, but to focus on the absurd turns of events that have brought people together 
I, I think that that was a stroke of genius. At this point in the conversation, Alex was getting giddy. He implored James to share his recent WatchFam story. I had my bachelor party just a few weeks ago in Las Vegas. With the exception of my cousin, who I've known since the dawn of time, everyone else on this trip was a client first. I cannot stress how absolutely incredible a feeling it was to be inviting people that, sure, on paper were my clients, but had really long ago stopped being clients and become my dearest friends. The total, the total group size was 13, including myself. All of us lovers of watches, and most of us meeting through watches. In preparation for the bachelor party, James tasked Alex with one specific request. You know, let's just do the normal things, but with one exception. I have one thing that I must do before I am married. I want to blow up a Chrysler PT Cruiser. Saturday morning, we woke up, we got in a van, we went out to the desert, we went to a shooting range. The guys, these guys, these 12 beautiful souls, all pitched in and bought me a fucking car. They bought me a PT Cruiser. They didn't pull it out of a junkyard. The owner of this place, on Alex's insistence, went out and bought it from a neighbor. They drove it there, and they were present to watch it. It's not like we pulled it out of a junkyard and on on blocks. It, this was running and driving that morning. And they filled it with explosives at about 250 yards. They gave me a, a sniper rifle. Uh, I put about three rounds downrange, and uh, the, the guy said, you know, I don't think that scope is fully sighted in. Here, take the Remington. Gives me the Remington. First shot down the pipe. That fucker blew up. I've seen the video, not just of the explosion, but of me and the sheer joy that overcame wasn't just the destruction of something that I think is one of the most horrid vehicles to ever, you know, infest our roadways. But also, th this was maybe the most thoughtful gesture that a group of people could ever do for me. I'm, I'm a crazy person, and I know that, but this is what I wanted. And they, they pulled it off, and they did it with aplomb. And then from there, the, the weekend just got better. This was a, a watch fam bachelor party with the very best of people. I, it, again, just absolutely so generous, so kind, and I think in the true spirit of your book, absolutely absurd. Absurdity in all its glory, even if it is at the expense of a poor PT cruiser. I'm so glad that there, there's no proof of a lot of the things that we've done over the years. <laughs> There's no evidence. We, we've buried it all with the PT cruiser. We need to have like a red. We need to have like a red band version. Yeah. <laughs> NC seventeen. Maybe that'll be the next book. That one will write itself, my man. That'll write itself. Discovering time. Raw. <laughs> <laughs>